Welcome to Small Batch, where we explore the truths and myths of being an entrepreneur in the insanely competitive food and beverage industry. I'm Lauren Rhodes, a.k.a. The Kombucha Lady. I'm Paul Bonds, your country fried coffee roast. And I'm Matthew McLaughlin, craft beer lawyer and sometimes frustrated Mississippian. <laughs> <laughs> All three of us. Woo. All right, Lauren, quick question. Okay. What does Jazzercise, Tahitianoni Juice, Beanie Babies, and Open Gun style have in common? All things I've Googled on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> things that you would find in Lauren's browsing history. <laughs> Ooh. Please tell me. All three of these things are trends that was once hot and are not necessarily hot today. Wait, Whoa. so Beanie Babies aren't hot anymore? Uh, can we get him to memo? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, these things are not hot. At one time, you know, there were marketing campaigns developed around these things. There were businesses developed around these things. And nowadays, it is hard-pressed to find a Beanie Baby, and it's hard-pressed to find a teenager uh, who's doing open Gundam style purposefully to impress What people. is that? Oh, 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 oh. Oh, open Gundam style. <laughs> nice. I do remember that. Nice. I could do that again, but it'll cost you a fee. Okay. Maybe, right. maybe at the end of that. <laughs> I'll trade you a beanie, baby. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, so all three of these things were like, you know, that were trending. It was hot. You were seeing commercials. You were seeing people doing it. And, you know, it was a bunch of social media stuff done. There were even businesses open at one time. I remember like shops opening that exclusively sold Beanie Babies. They were great ideas at the time, but you know, you look out past that, is that still a great idea? And like, while those are all like considered more like novelty items, we see it all the time in food and beverage industry, Mm -hmm. you know? Some key words you hear like in terms of like food, you know, I remember off the top of my head was fat free, uh, whole grain, uh, organic, now, those things are still there and there's still the demand for it, but it was one time it's like, this was like hot. And it's like, and eventually they lose meaning. Right. Like, I've seen buzzwords. whole grain rice sold at the store, and like literally that's the definition of what rice is is a whole grain. Yes. <laughs> that's Same with organic. I feel like that's somewhat also, redundant. Yeah, lost its meaning a little bit. Yeah. You know, and we've kind of talked about this, I think, briefly on one of the previous episodes the whole notion of trends and fads and what those are, and do trends have any sort of staying ability? Fads, I, I don't believe do. I think trends can have some staying ability or some staying power, but trying to differentiate between the two is challenging. Mm-hmm. And as a consumer, hopping on the trends are easy, right? You just go to the store, you go buy it. It's like, hey, I got one of these just like everybody else has got one. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. I'm on the train. Looking at it from the other side, it's like a small business owner. It's a lot more complex, right? Cause, so, you know, you kind of have to ask questions like, first of all, is this a business I want to get into? If this is a trend... How long is this trend going to last? Is this trend right for my local market? Because something might be a trend and it sells marvelously in Las Vegas doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be substantial enough for you to open a business in, say, Jackson, Mississippi. It'll be profitable enough for you to get into in the first place. Right. But the opposite of that is sometimes always true, Mm -hmm. which is, you know... Maybe you will be the leader right. of that trend in your market, which I right. think is something that can happen in the South a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh, we see cold pressed juices are trendy in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Well, maybe like no one knows about cold pressed juice in Jackson, Mississippi, but they might like it if right. they, we can see people in other parts of the country liking it. Right. Right. And 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 even with coming in being like the first, there's a certain degree of risk that's associated with that too you know so if you are the first 
And sort of like break on that same example, like a you know second ago, like it working in Las Vegas as a business owner, you're looking at doing that, you're taking a risk because it's easy to like look and see, okay, this works. It's not, you know, like say in Mississippi, if I want to open a place that sold fried chicken, there's a pretty good track record and historical drive with selling fried chicken here. And if I put it in a place that has, you know, these other metrics in place, like population, income and stuff like that. If I open a fried chicken place there, I have a pretty good shot of it being successful. Especially if it's close to my house. Right. <laughs> I can dig on some chicken. Yeah. But even when it is something that's like just popping in like somewhere else, doesn't necessarily mean that your local market is going to hop onto it and accept it like another market would. Mm-hmm. Like in Denver, it would have to be hot chicken and like have kind of a upscale like Nashville type vibe to it right. for people to even enter the restaurant. Right. Know? Elevated chicken. Elevated, Elevated chicken. <laughs> Mile hot chicken. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it does. It's interesting. I mean, we have, uh, I think in a lot of different goods and services, we largely have a blank canvas down here because innovative products in the food and beverage industry that may have gained some appeal in other parts of the country or you know, haven't been introduced down here. It's not that we haven't seen them. I think both of your backgrounds, I mean, you're pretty innovative, at least regionally in what you are, are trying to accomplish. But yeah, there is always that risk of how is it going to be received by the consumer? It can be the most innovative product in the world and taste amazing, but if you can't get anybody to buy it, then there's no way to, to monetize it. Right, like cricket flour, you know, Foods that have cricket flour. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, have you not crickets? heard about this? You didn't hear of Gundam style, so don't hop on me about cricket flour. Okay. What is cricket Cri- flour? Well, okay, so it's <laughs> a new sustainable, it's not even that new, like 2013, I think, was when people started experimenting with or like packaging things with cricket flour in them. So you just basically take crickets, which you can feed cheaply and like, you know, have millions of them in a small area. You dry them and grind them up, and it's, like, high in protein. Cricket as in the insect. The insect. So it's not cricket as in, like, the varietal name of a type of grain, but an actual thing that I went fishing with. Yeah. That, like, when it squished up on my finger. And I've had had cricket crackers, and they're actually pretty good. Okay. It's a food trend using insects, because, like, we don't eat insects, really, in the U.S. on purpose. Yes. So we don't. <laughs> maybe a just difficult no. trend to introduce into the McLaughlin family or into Mississippi. I think it, you know, speaking of trends that may be harder to introduce in the right. South. I am still wrapping my head around this and I am the most open liberal eater there is. I'm trying to get my head wrapped around bait. Look, being dried. I have dried. eaten every conceivable <laughs> part of a pig and a cow for that matter. And I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around eating crickets. And I'm not saying I'm like completely against it, but I got to get my mind right first. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's good for the planet, you know, less of a footprint. Right. But you're still getting high protein, more protein per, you know, calorie, I guess. Yeah. And it's healthier for you. So. Mm. So that that begs the question, is this a trend or is it a fad? And we probably can't answer that. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. It's hard to measure. Like, what is the staying power? You know, like at one point when Starbucks opened coffee shops were not a thing right. really. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. well the notion that somebody would pay like seven bucks for a latte yes yeah. yeah completely ridiculous and now mm-hmm. yeah coffee is sort of coffee is always it's been a, not always but for a long time it's been a staple the whole introduction like you said having a cafe and mm-hmm. where people are willing to spend much more for it and for that experience was absolutely something that was groundbreaking for starbucks 
you know, now it's not uncommon to see multiple coffee shops in the city. Or in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And millennials are all about the experience. And I yep. think a lot of food trends that we're seeing are about the experience yep. of food. Mm-hmm. And also health. You right. know, health food is huge. Yeah, which, like that cricket flour. Cricket flour. Yeah, health and like, you know, related to a smaller footprint. Mm-hmm. Which brings us a little bit to a topic that we wanted to cover today, which is CBD and the trend of CBD and food and the legality, which I totally do not understand. I don't know about it. Um, so, Matthew, do you want to kind of just cover what CBD is? First yeah, of all, sure. I mean, just by way of background, it, uh, it is an extract from the hemp plant or the cannabis plant that people are using in a whole host of different products, many of which are in the food and beverage or consumable space. Up until very recently, industrial hemp was illegal in the United States at the federal level, much like marijuana is or still remains. That changed with the president signing the 2018 Farm Bill, which has now essentially decriminalized hemp in the and United States. And they're different States. plants, right? They are different plants. Uh, they are genetically related. They look very similar, but they are they are different plants. CBD products, though, have been floating around even prior to the signing of the 2018 Farm Bill. I mean, CBD products have been on the market for a while now. And what's interesting about it is, is that it's technically illegal. The FDA has concluded that it is not something that can be added to any sort of product that they regulate. A lot of the CBD products that are on the market consumers will probably be very disappointed to find out that there's no CBD actually in it. So they can label it CBD? They are labeling it in very creative ways to create the appearance that it is a CBD-based product, but it in fact has no CBD in it. Other people are using CBD products and adding them to food and beverage and, and other things, and they are doing so assuming the risk that they're not going to get in trouble. And so largely at the federal level, the DEA and other federal agencies are really kind of turning and looking the other direction. I mean, they have much more pressing issues mm-hmm. to address than somebody taking CBD extract and putting it in some sort of beverage product. But yeah, technically right now it's illegal. This is all changing very, very, very rapidly. We have had a number of conversations with some beverage manufacturers here recently that have inquired as to what the potential is to use CBD in, in beverage products. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because speaking on trends and, you know, I've been approached here recently from two budding entrepreneurs who are looking at getting into that business. And they've inquired with me about doing like CBD with coffee and stuff like that. So glad to know that it's illegal. What would the benefit of that be? Because I'm guessing uh, it's not a taste thing. No, I think, well, am I I correct? Like when, you know, once I was approached by it, of course, did a Google box search. It came back and was saying like there are health benefits, right? So like people who have epilepsy and stuff like that, it helps with that. And so I think they're trying to like latch on to it and trying to. But you're not really catering to like the epileptic market. Yeah. And it's it's more benefits than that, apparently. Um, I I think there's an anti-inflammatory aspect of it. And I also think it has a calming effect. Okay. Meaning it can relax you. Pairing it with coffee is interesting, though. Yeah, that's like people drinking Red Bull and vodka. I do not understand. <laughs> there, are, I mean, it seems like almost every day now there's a, you know, a news story or, or headline that breaks that some beverage entrepreneur is trying to infuse CBD or, or THC, for that matter, into a 
either alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. Yeah, because a matter of fact, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago, I saw a there's a roaster out of uh, Kansas City who released a CBD infused cold brew coffee, mm. and it's sold in like you know four packs in cans and stuff. Like so, you're starting to see it pick up. My first idea is like when I hear that and of course I get inquiries about it, I go to like, okay, is this a trend? Is this something that's going to have some stay in power? I remember in terms of like coffee, one of the last things that I got, I was, you know, asked about was um, using green coffee extract. It was like a weight loss mm. supplement that was out some years ago. And I remember seeing it like at Walmart and Walgreens and other places. And it was like, I remember getting approached like, hey, you ever thought about doing some extract for like weight loss it's like i don't want to get on that i'm trying to well and you don't really want your brand associated with a weight loss product right that's a whole different thing than what i'm trying to pursue that's not what my goal is in my business and of course they go well you can make a lot of money it's like i can make a lot of money selling drugs but i'm not (laughs) gonna that's not what my goals are my desires desire uh to do and so some like so when i was approached by this that's what my initial thoughts was like okay here we go Here's green coffee. Here's everything else. And it's like, is this something that's really going to be around? Because, again, there are a lot of things that are like a good idea. And mm-hmm. some things are like good business ideas. But it's like some good business ideas are good business ideas for two years. Some good business ideas are good ideas for like five years to where you can hop into something and then it can be profitable and stuff like that. But you got to have an escape plan to like getting out of it. And some people do. They mm-hmm. just jump on a trend and just pump as much money out of it as they can. Exactly. With the intent of just flipping it and moving on to the that's next just, thing. I right. can't put myself in that mentality. Probably that's why I'm not like very good with finances. Yeah. <laughs> but like I have to be passionate about something or like at least care about the product itself. And, and typically it seems like when that happens, that's coming from like an investor. That's not like yes, a person that's true. like on the ground. Like that investor goes, okay. I'm going to put X dollars in here. I'm going to work this widget until this widget can't work no more. And I'm going to pull out of it. And I'm planning on making X number of dollars. The person that's on the ground, like, so like me and you started something out of our kitchen and garage. You don't necessarily think about it that way. You know, you kind of think like, okay, I'm planning on jumping into this and being in this long term. You think about like me investing in this and like, how is this going to affect my daily living and my family and stuff like that. Generally outside that box. It's easy to say, okay, I'm going to jump in this and jump out of it, you know? And then especially when there's, like, it's a new cutting-edge product that's there's legal ramifications involved and policy issues that will come up, you know, that's a whole other set of challenges. Yeah, yeah. And then sort of, like, being being prepared for that. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I was just waiting for Matthew to say something about uh, CBD and government regulation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, food and beverage, highly regulated. I mean, you got local regulation, state regulation, federal regulation. And then when you start taking products that are regulated by different agencies and putting them together, you have even more regulation. Right. You know, when you start taking CBD or hemp derivatives that are going to be regulated by the USDA and putting them in alcoholic beverages, now all of a sudden you have issues with the TTB, which is the federal agency that regulates the sale and manufacture and distribution of alcohol in the United States. And mm-hmm. so these are all issues that have to be addressed and weighed when you're making business decisions as to whether or not 
I want to go into this. You know, what is the risk that what I'm doing right now may be technically illegal, but the market potential here is tremendous and Mm -hmm. it probably won't be illegal in six months or a year weighing the likelihood or the cost of, of that against the potential benefit of of a wide open market can be difficult, not the easiest thing to do. So as like a, as an entrepreneur, you, you know, you had to kind of keep that in mind and, 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 and include that in terms of trying to make a decision like, okay, do I want to get into this? And, you know, just like here now, we're like using the hemp as kind of staying on that example. Like this farm bill was just signed this year. Who knows to say like, and the next administration comes in and they said, we don't want this anymore. Right. And then all of a sudden you're stuck with that investment that you can't do anything with. And we've seen that before too with products. That's one of the risky things about the fermented food industry, which is another trend, you know, related industry that hopefully is a long-term trend. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's so many regulations around food, like you were saying, and businesses that want to produce products in a more like natural traditional way that kind of go against the health department's strict views about like sanitization and you know for cheese making for example like a lot of cheese making involves bacteria that lives on wood and natural products that you don't want to like sterilize every single piece of equipment because it contains that vital bacteria and so i think as people think about their business growing that can present a challenge too because if you're making yogurt like are you eventually going to have to use a powdered starter culture Mm. the bigger you get or are you going to be able to ferment it like you did when you're producing out of your house yeah 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 those are all things to keep in mind another thing that i see happen a lot with trends too is that once it begins you can blink yeah every time you blink your eye you'll see someone else entering that market too so the same thing with like sort of that CBD oil. It was like nobody's doing it. And then all of a sudden you're starting to see like all these like companies crop up out of nowhere, hopping onto it. And just like in any other type of market, they're going to be winners and losers, you know, uh, that come in and say, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make a bunch of money. Well, and that looks okay when you're like the only one, but then when they're like 20 of them that open up, how realistic is that all 20 are you going to survive mm-hmm. and are you willing to how are you going to di- differentiate yourself differentiate yourself and are are you willing to endure that pain that's going to happen with dealing with it too right yeah i mean it's easy when the dollars are all rolling in and you're like the only guy on the block if you're the only pizza shop in town well people want pizza they come to you well what happens when there's like eight of them and then what happens when people want cauliflower pizza crust right right then you just turn them away and say, no, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I had a cauliflower pizza earlier this week. How was it? It wasn't bad. Okay. My problem is I don't like when someone's trying to sell me something as something else. Like vegan cheese, for example. Yep. I'm with it you. It does not taste like cheese. Sell it to me as a vegan cashew spread. I'm down with that. Right. A vegan cashew Put some chives spread. in it. Put some garlic in it. But that is not cheese to me. Yeah, don't peel my leg and tell me it's raining. Yep, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't describe my face I just made. I can. It's a grimace. bewildered and like, did he just really say that? It was kind of cold. It's like something a grandfather would say. <laughs> Well, I am the elder statesman here. <laughs> well, I know they said lightning don't strike twice, but it struck twice. Once with this guy talking about getting pee on his leg and cricket flour. Can I just talk about one trendy thing that's also like 
a real pet peeve of mine yes. that Whole Foods did yes. Let it fly. in the South. I don't know if they did this other places, but in Mississippi, when Whole Foods opened here, I think it was like 2014, their motto was, collards are the new kale. They're completely different greens. Yeah. Well, first of all, what? <laughs> collards have always been a thing in the South. Right. Like, first of all, know your market. Right. Don't come in here and be like, collards are the new kale. No. Yeah. Hello, no. Whole Foods. People in Mississippi have been eating collard greens since they brought them over from Africa. Right. So, yeah, that just bothered me. So, I feel like when you're responsible for a trend, if you're a trendsetter mm-hmm. or like going to jump on a trend, like do your research. Well, and then, well, since we're peeving, uh, it's the same thing with like Starbucks and like Cascara. And they were selling that. Cascara is a tea basically made from the husk of dried coffee cherry hmm. and they sold it as this thing and i'm just looking at it like this is lie <laughs> you lie and it was like but if you're you know if, if you're not an informed consumer you're you gonna suck it up and even defend it right but um they were selling it as something else and i'm just like those are two mm-hmm. different greens all right and well and they like, represent different things Symbolically, historically. I mean, they just taste different. They yeah. do taste different. Go you cook put, them differently. You cook them totally differently. Right. You go make a, like a green smoothie and throw kale in there. It's going to taste completely different if you replace that with collards. Oh my God, Paul, I love what you're saying right now. It's going to taste collards in a smoothie. It's. It, I mean, no, look. They're completely different. I know. I can destroy collards. I, I don't think I can put them in a smoothie. Well, you don't because well, you don't want to eat them raw, really. No, I know right. yeah. you want them to cook for like hours upon hours. The taste profile of the raw greens are completely different. Yeah. Wow, we went there, didn't we? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Crickets, collards, CBD, and CBD. Yeah, I wow. feel like I'm pretty sure I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go for it. I don't know that there is another podcast in the world. Don't toot that our has horn. Covered crickets, collards, and CBD. There well, probably is, like, and someone's going to no, send it to there's us. There's no way. Okay, listeners, I challenge you. Speaking of listeners, we have some amazing listeners who have actually written reviews for our podcast, Small Batch, and we are going to read a couple of them. We'll read one. One of them. This comes from Salesman Sam. Wow, this podcast rocks. We happen to agree with you, Sam. Finally, a podcast for foodies and small businesses in Mississippi. Wow. First of all, Sam, you rock, buddy. Thanks, Sam. You're number one. You are number one, Sam. You get the foam finger, buddy. We appreciate you listening. <laughs> yeah, and we, uh, you know, reviews always help a podcast find other listeners. So we appreciate your your ratings and reviews. Yeah, and if you guys are enjoying enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate, review, tell a friend, send them an email, send them a Snapchat, let them know to, to check us out. But we do appreciate everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We want to hear your stories. Are you a small business owner in the South? Are you thinking about starting a food company? Where are you? We want to hear from you. You can tweet at me, at Lauren Rhodes. You can hit me up on the Twitter box, Instagram, Facebook, at uh, Bean Fruit Coffee. And you can find me at Jackson McLaughlin, J-X-N-M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. We'll talk to you next time on the next episode of Small Batch. Small Batch.